1: We're all watching that.
2: the PG podcast, but then Devin just kept on dropping shits and fucks and I'm just trying to figure out what's in her mouth.
1: I just want to see him interview Francesco Lacroix.
2: He's he's a good human being is what he would say about himself. I'm sure.
1: Who's hosting this thing? (laughs) (laughs) Take charge, Kevin.
3: First time we ever met those guys, that was the the major uh, drunken pub argument. I think you guys are the worst. I'm going to have to probably watch some Canucks hockey, unfortunately. Just making making friends left, right, and center, and probably some enemies as well. Tell him to shut up. He needs to hear that every once in a while. Off we'll to a good start. All right.
1: We are live. It's okay to talk when it goes live. It sure is. Welcome to the Hockey Podcast. We are live on Facebook.com, the Hockey Podcast. YouTube.com, the Hockey Podcast. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter at podcast underscore hockey, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast, as the audio will be up shortly after we are done with this. Uh, Lots to get into uh, with our midweek intermission. I mean, it's pretty much a week of news within a midweek, right, Devin? (laughs) The the, the highs and lows are definitely there, Kev. (laughs)
2: Uh, And yeah, a lot of news. A lot yeah. of uh, hot takes, if
1: you will. Hot, spicy takes. Caliente. Elk, yes. I, I'm not even going to try. I'm not I, even going to try. I'm pretty sure I butchered that anyways. Yeah, and I, as we are recording, it's just the end of the Leafs. Uh, looking like, touch wood, that they will hold on to the, auto, the 6-2 lead to the Ottawa Senators. They don't, uh, do
2: so don't think that there is a possibility that you know, or think that there's a possibility that there's going to be a swing there because it has happened before, and I've it's felt six, that now. Defeat.
1: what is it? It's Stop six it. three now. No, it's not. <laughs> okay, we're we're we're, we're we'll, we'll comment throughout the game on that. No, it's uh, not. Can you imagine the Steve Dangle uh, YouTube if the Senators come back? Oh, oh. Yeah, a lot of screaming, yep. a lot of screaming.
3: <laughs> yeah, uh, Sean, how are you? Oh, I, I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, it's uh. As you can see, I've got a bit of a different uh, setup now um, for a little peek behind the curtain for, some, for our, our viewers and followers. Uh, I've been podcasting from the ca- uh, kitchen counter for the most most part of this, and uh, going forward, I'll be here at a desk, uh, Heidi's uh, Heidi's office. Uh, going forward, just so that uh, Heidi has access to the kitchen, you do not want to. You do not want to make your have your partner go hungry while you're podcasting. It it doesn't no, go well. It
1: does not go well. It is very fair. That's why I remain single. Um, <laughs> uh, you can subscribe. We have hit the sixty subscriber mark now. Um, so join that and then follow us and hit the like button on Facebook and tell your friends, your neighbors, your enemies. Your mom, your dad, your pets—about us—and uh, we would really appreciate it. Uh, thank you. Um, we're, we'll dig in. We're going to majority of this, I think, is going to be Calgary Flames talk. But I, so we'll get to. We'll start with the bread. We'll get to the meat, and then we'll get to the bread after. We'll Starting with the bread, like uh, so. Coming into Andrew Banjapani. Yes, we're going to Andrew Banjapani <laughs> this. Um, Andrew Banjapani with a little Matthew Kachuk. And a little uh, Mark Giordano and a little uh, Quinn Hughes. And then I don't know what the bottom of the bread is, but um, <laughs> William Nylander, maybe. And the Arizona Coyotes. That's the bottom of bread. Anyway, that was me. Uh, just I, I. So coming into this four-game series with the Calgary Flames, the idea was we were we discussed three and one. They took five out of a possible eight points. They are now actually, although the Flames have games in hand, they are tied with 17 points each. Um, even though this was a split, I'm going, I am going. will directly say that the winners of the series, um, Sean, is the Vancouver Canucks. I think they come out of this feeling, looking a lot better overall. Uh, last night, Braden Holby played his best game as a Vancouver Canucks so far. And for 12 periods for ten, at least 10 of the 12 periods they were the better team. So I think you come out of this if you're the Canucks you're coming out of this feeling a little bit better. I don't you?
3: Uh you, you do, especially after the last game when you I think you finally got the monkey off your back and were able to uh break through and chase uh, Jacob Markstrom out of the net. I think it is is huge. Um he it felt like the beginning of the season just was like, uh, uh, like going, going like, this is your life. Here's all your exes. And they're doing better off than you are <laughs> with the, the first two games of uh, against uh, the flames and Markstrom standing on his head and, and, and doing really well to, to, to hold the Canucks to, I think it was like two goals or three goals in that, uh, bet- in, in those two games. And then, um, and then you go to Foley, and then it just it just spiraled out of control, and I think they're finally they're finally got their footing. Um, they're finally figured figured out what this locker room is, hopefully, um, because they they lost such big sort of mentor uh, uh, players in Markstrom and Tana specifically, uh, and now it looks like they're they're starting to to feel it again. Feel like the team that we expected them to be this year. Um, not the team that played for the first uh, what 10, 12 games. So, I, I, re- I really hope this is the this is where they've turned the corner um, with with this season because I still think this this division is open. I still think that uh, Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg are all teams that the Canucks can can compete with and play well against and win their, win the season series on. And if they do that, then they're going to make the playoffs. Even if they even, even if they tread water against Toronto, and Montreal for the rest of the season, um, they're going to, if they can win the season series versus the, the flames jets and Oilers, then they're going to make the playoffs. Despite the fact that they're the first team to hit 2020 20 games in this season Um, they've, they, they aren't like you, you don't know what, what the rest of the season looks like, but because the season's all divisional play, I think looking at past seasons um, point percentages to, uh, to make the playoffs, I think is just a little flawed just because of, of how, the, the makeup of the season works. So instead, if the Canucks can find a way to win the season series against Calgary, Edmonton, and and, and Winnipeg, then I think they, they will make the playoffs.
1: Devin, your thoughts from the Canucks' perspective?
2: Yeah, it's... Uh, the highs and lows of this North Division are very true. Um, look at the Toronto Maple Leafs with uh, Ottawa. Uh, look at uh, the past week and a half of the Canucks, Um, and even even the past week or so of the Flames. It's been – the the highs are high. The lows are very low, and um, I I think Sean's assessment of you do have kind of – I I don't know if Montreal is going to be up there uh, at the end of the year. I'm not quite sold on them just yet, Uh, but you definitely could see them as number two. Toronto isn't a clear number one, but I think that they're half a step ahead as of right now. Um, uh, of any other team in the North Division, but uh, you have the other teams, and sorry, Ottawa, you're not a part of them. Um, <laughs> Edmonton, I think Ottawa. Knows that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, if you don't, if they don't, or if you're uh, a uh, sense fan and still believe, um, you're senile. Uh, so we. Uh, I call him
3: senile. I'll just see. Just say like. You're. you're you're a lot you're more optimistic fuck. than the rest, optimistic. the rest of us. You're <laughs> a very fucking
2: <laughs> idiot is what you are, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> if you think that they have a chance, it's stupid. So you have the other teams of uh, Vancouver, Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Calgary. All of them could uh, easily be tied at the end of the year, and it would come down to regulation of wins, and it would just be uh, just complete and utter nonsense and craziness. So it, it's really – Know the long game is there, but once again, I've said this multiple times on this podcast about the process. It's about making sure that your team, if they do lose, they lose in the right way. That they're trying hard um, and they're they're trying to play a, the cliche of a sixty minute game. Um, the good majority of the time, your team isn't going to play sixty minutes, but you want to get as close to that as possible. So, um, good on the Canucks for bouncing back. Uh, they look like they definitely were at least a full step ahead of the flames with how many shots they had uh, the time on attack um it just it did from from a Canucks perspective that's going to be very promising so uh yeah I've, remember that there are going to be lulls in this season like there was uh you know past couple of weeks so um this isn't uh this will not be the the worst or best game that you've seen um from uh the, uh, the Canucks going, going forward either.
1: Yeah, they're 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 growing into the situation. Uh, I think uh, two two of the games, three of the games, they scored the first goal. Two of the games, they scored the first two goals. Uh, they, I think, I think the point that they stole was the last minute goal against the uh, that they lost on Monday. Uh, that was a shorthanded goal, uh, and that was scored there uh that was a nice little snag of a point and that was basically one of the reasons they tied. so uh and the lotto line um starting to pick it up a little bit here um not hearing as many what the hell's wrong with JT Miller that's now to Jake for Tannen, but I think that that's a whole other difference but JT Miller and Pedersen and Besser um were really strong
3: they were. Um, you're, you're starting to see JT Miller um, not force the puck, and that was the biggest issue with him. He was forcing the puck, and then he was like, he was getting upset at himself and pouting on the ice. And you can't be like that in the NHL. If you make a mistake, you di- You put your head down, you st- dig hard, and make up for that fact. And you're starting to see him him play that way again, and, and drive play. And find a way to to make a difference. Like he was still putting up points before all this, but he was it, there was other issues that were plaguing him, and those are going away. Um, Brock Besser is continuing to play, uh, to be an absolute beast. Uh, he's got twelve goals on this season, uh, which only only Austin Matthews has more, at least going into into tonight's action. So that's really. Uh, really nice to, to see him gain back the the, the sniper mentality and the sniper um, ability that he showed in his first couple seasons in this in this league and I am very excited to, to see what they can do especially if they can have a, a, a stretch a stretch of games where both the Lotto line and then the Horvat Hoglander line are going. Um, go back and watch that first goal. Uh, yes, it's Jordy Ben scoring it, which is great. Beard power, yes, but it's also um just go go back and watch and watch how Hoglander basically created everything on that shift. His his ability to go in, he he'll climb a player's back to get the puck. That's what it, he'll do, whatever he can to get that puck, and it's so fun to watch. And he's also smart with the, when he gets the puck. He's not trying to force the play. He always looks for the easy pass. Even though he's skilled enough to make to try and do some some dangles and some dekes, he's trying it here and there. But for the most part, he's just making the simple, easy plays, and that's what's making him so successful. And that's what makes it hard to try and keep a level head with what he what his ceiling is going forwards. Yeah. yeah it, Go ahead.
2: Yeah, just uh, is he does the simple things right, and uh, he, the Canucks have a hell of a player there for uh, the foreseeable future. He's just he's he's so he's still young enough where he's going to learn and adapt into this um, NHL, which is scary to think about because what he's doing right now is uh, pretty damn espresso special, special. But uh, um, yeah, you got to make sure that you're not. You know, putting so much pressure on this guy that uh, he won't he won't succeed. And I, I'm not saying that uh, that the coaching staff will, but uh, you know, you, you got to think that Canucks Twitter and uh, the Canucks fans are um, will be looking at him in a different light within a year, just like they are with Quinn Hughes.
3: Yep. Yeah. It- I, uh, as, long, as long as he can t- just continues to play the game he's playing right now, it doesn't matter if he's going to have an off night and not get get points. He's still going to have an impact on the game. So just, just I, I just hope that he can continue this up and and then find his find find his legs offensively even more so, and find the confidence to start doing the the dekes that he has shown in uh, over in Sweden and at the World Juniors where he's doing. Between the legs, he's doing lacrosse moves. He's got the, he's got the, he's got the cojones to to be able to pull that off, and I cannot wait to see him do it at uh, at some point in the NHL. As Tortorella says, balls. He has balls. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yes, he does. Yes, there's a there's an arrogance about him. It's an admirable arrogance that he's able. To, he he knows what he can do, and once he starts to kind of, once he learns it, that will be very scary. So um, yeah. So and, I guess. Oh, go ahead.
3: And I was just saying, I was just just really hoping that this is the tur- this is the turning point for this season. I'm still I still have to see a couple more games to see how they play against Winnipeg. And moving forwards before I can really say that this is the turning point um, on our poll question, uh, I I voted for unsure need to see more. And I think it looks like the majority of our people who voted on our poll, uh, it did that as well. Um, because I, it's just we've seen a couple good games here and there uh, throughout the season. Um, the only thing that makes this a little bit different is the process. The process looks a lot better than it did versus Ottawa. When they they ran off three versus Ottawa, and then just basically ran on confidence versus Winnipeg that for the that one game that one off game, um, I'm really hoping that we see um, them continue on with at least this 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 play. If they continue on playing the way they are defensively, and it's the they've removed the majority of the the bullshit. Uh, Giveaways, other than the two that they basically handed to the Flames on Monday. Um, You you talk about that being a stolen point. Yes, it was, but they also basically handed the the game to the Flames with a couple absolute brutal giveaways. So good on the Flames for capitalizing, but you cannot cannot have those giveaways in in the NHL. And when the Canucks play the way they have, for the most part, the last, I'd even say, five games, uh, even going back into the one versus the last game versus Toronto, I think they deserve better in that last game versus Toronto. So um, if they continue to play this way, then it's they're going to get more wins than losses going forwards.
2: Man, you sounded smart there for a sec saying the process. I, someone said that on this podcast multiple times before. I don't know. I, I know who it was, but God, those smart.
1: Uh, yeah, I uh, yeah I think uh, yeah you 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 definitely sounded smart. Some some comments. Rob, <laughs> uh, Rob said Demko had a good night, but I think he may have staked that for Holtby. So, but uh, Holtby did play Holtby
3: well. Played really well, and it's nice to see him starting to get uh, f- feeling a little bit better at, about his game. Uh, I he, I don't think he ever played poorly for the Canucks this season, but I never felt that he played well. Up until the the, the last uh, the last game, and if they can get both goalies going, that's just going to be a, a nice bonus for the Canucks.
2: Well, you just at getting the... one going. You did not both. Just worried about one goalie. You know they are getting greedy there.
1: <laughs> oh, um...
2: <laughs> sorry, Kev. I did. I, I cut you
1: off. Well, what I was going to say is the first half of that second period, the Flames were the Flames were taking charge. They there were tons of pressure. Uh, Holtby. Holtby withstood it, and then Horvat scored the, the, the goal on Markstrom there uh, when Markstrom went out of the net for the second time, and that made it 2-0. And that essentially, yes, Andromand Japani uh, with our bread here, our bread theme, made it 2-1, and then the Flames collapsed again, which we'll get into. But 2-0, that was, I think, a key turning point in the game. So that, that to me, is where I thought Holtby really shone.
3: Yeah, he he definitely made sure that the Canucks stayed up uh, when the Flames had their pushback in the in the beginning of this uh, the second period and going in in, in in throughout the second period actually it was just, it, for the most part the Canuck, the Flames were finding ways to create chances and, and significantly good chances uh, in that second period and it would uh, it was if it wasn't for the way Holtby played it would have been a completely different game. Yep. Yeah, I, uh, you know, his
2: leadership is really
3: uh, shown, and uh,
2: very, I, I think that's very, very good for the Canucks. I think that uh, they, uh, if if they have that kind of kind of leadership, um, even coming from a goalie, and yes, he's not going to be wearing the C like Luongo did, <laughs> which is a whole different other thing. But uh, <laughs> you know, the, the fact that he was able to call out. Uh, his his own teammates last week, um, and kind of come back and uh, with that type of performance, really really shows um, the type of person that he is that he cares about winning and um, winning the right way.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think with the Canucks, you're coming into your next four games. You got Winnipeg and Edmonton, um, and I think there those are big games, and for and it's all big games because you're gaining points on opponents. Here we've talked about that enough, so it'll be interesting to see this weekend what happens with the Canucks and the Flames or the Canucks and the Jets, sorry, as we transition to the Flames. Um, so I'm gonna start. I want to start. I uh, I have a theory. I never, I just was thinking about this. I think that one of our listeners, and we love all of our listeners, and we thank you for subscribing, following, and tell your friends, we remind you of that. Um, but I have a funny feeling that one of our listeners might be the head coach of the Calgary Flames, Jeff Ward. Got an example for you here. I'm going to pull this up here. Uh, here, let let's uh, let's play a little bit of of, of this.
3: Yeah, we're building that team, and this is this is Brad team. This is the team he has built still has the same issues that
2: it's had in the past three, four, five, six years. you got to remember also that uh, they, they're still, they, now, yeah, they, they are who they are, but at that point, you know, they, they, they're still growing, right? Still, they were still kids when they came in. Um, but I, I just, I, I agree with you. There are things that that's living needs to be accountable for, like, don't think it's as much as you're making it out to me because the, the, the other thing, okay, on the opposite end, yes, the, the players, there's 24 players within that uh, roster right there that are professionals, they're men, and they need to own up to their fucking shit.
1: See? See? I, I, I'm i telling you, Devin, Jeff Ward is listening. Now, here, wait, 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 watch this. <laughs> I'm just going hang on. Give me a quick second here as I pull this up here. Boop.
2: Love the podcasting. This this is our, our
1: but what pro- this is awesome production by 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 Kevin, the professional taking courses at BCIG. Anyway, here we go. I will
2: feel like you guys settled in and and we're getting zone time uh, throughout most of the first and second period. um, And then sort of things fell apart after that Manjapani goal. Uh, Is that sort of how, how you you felt the game went?
0: Yeah, I think that's fairly accurate. I mean, uh, you know, the first goal against is just, it's an unforced turnover in the neutral zone. Like, you know, that gets us back on our heels a little bit. And I thought we, uh, I thought we had a good push at the start of the second period and, but the uh, the two late goals, I mean, uh, they're they're killers. Obviously, uh, after we got the game to two one, and it's the you know it's the same thing again. Like it's not what you make all the time; it's what you leave. And to leave those opportunities that we gave them after making the hockey game two to one, it's inexcusable.
1: Was it a lack of concentration a little bit
2: after the goal and, and seeing the end of the period? Do you have any sense?
0: Well, I think it's you know I think it's a couple of things. Yeah, it's probably you know, lack of awareness, lack of concentration. I mean, you know, I mean, when, when you're, you know, you just, you have to understand the time and the score at all times. Um, you have to understand the flows of the hockey game and it got to two, one, they came back, they bumped up and they, they got rewarded on two shifts. And, you know, we've got to, we've got to do a much better job in terms of how we react to that. And we got to get ourselves ready to go. And, you know, it should be us that's trying to bump up after scoring a goal and not playing in our own end twice and giving up two.
1: Thank you. Eric Francis?
0: Cap, did you consider during the second intermission pulling your goalie? Yeah, we talked about it. Um, By the way, we will get you know, to that. They got the fifth one. I, I thought, you know, it, it's, it was a good opportunity to get uh, David in, get him some work. Um, you know, at that point in time uh, – after that fifth one, there wasn't much going on. It was a lot of garbage time the rest of the way, um, so we thought it was a great opportunity to get Marky out. And yeah, we did talk about it after the second. And, and at the tail end of a game like that, when it's out of reach and you've got ten minutes to play, still, you know, am I too old school and thinking that you would like to see a little of emotion, maybe some pushback, some bite from your players, or, or is that is that too old school? Yeah, no, it's not too old school. It's absolutely true. You know, I mean, there's something to be there's something to be gotten out of every period that you play, you know, and you're you're trying to win the period. You're trying to compete like there's there's an awful lot that we can with a good period, we can set ourselves up for, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, I thought uh, when it got to five one, you know, we needed to, we needed to bear down and do some things. And, you know, it's uh, there's there's a place for old school in the game. There's no question. So. Finally, just When you look back at this series, that's four games against, you know, obviously an important rival. How would you sum up your team's play over those four games? Inconsistent. You know, I think it's probably the best way. Um, but we've been talking about that for a while now. You know, it's time to it's time to put this thing to bed and take charge and take control of what we can. And, you know, we, we certainly can control the way we start. We certainly can control how we pay attention to details. How hard we compete, how much we care—you know—all those things are certainly within our control. It's time for us to start giving a shit about it.
1: There you go, there you go. It's like he listened to you, Devin. I—sorry, it was a three-minute interview. I was couldn't remember. I, I wanted, but I do think that the context and I—one of the things that I think was one of my takeaways that I didn't really realize this last night was his face. My God, his yeah. face! Holy cow!
2: I was just that was gonna be my first comment there was uh, that he looks tired and he looks exhausted, especially with the tie just undone a little bit. God, it just looks like he was at the salt mine for twelve hours. Oh god. But he uh, yeah, they they do just need to start giving a shit. They need uh it starts within that room. And um, I the whole criticism behind uh, Jeff Ward, um not 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 the whole thing, but you know the the where where it really matters is within that room easily. Period, and 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 stop. The coaches can only do so much. GM can only do so much, especially within this uh, shitty ass year of uh, the quarantining. Because I feel like if there if there wasn't any quarantining, he would have done something already, especially with Sam Bennett. Um, I truly believe that uh, this is the team you're gonna be looking at for this entire year. I I I don't see a circumstance where uh there's going to be a massive trade and there might be a Sam Bennett trade because I said this before um he trading a third to fourth liner pretty much right now unless he uh decides to start bitching and complaining about uh getting traded again then he'll get put on that top line um (laughs) you know they uh you're not going to miss him uh, if you're a Calgary Flame. I, not not in my mind. Um, you'll miss him a little bit, but the the, the impact uh, towards a win, I don't think, really varies within that. So um, they need to find out. They need they need to look within themselves, look in the mirror, and figure this shit out. And um, I, I look at the leadership group, but
3: I'll, I'll go on after that. Yeah, Jeff Ward looked pissed. He looked ang- He looked. Frustrated, he looked um, like he didn't didn't know what the answers were. Um, the way that the Flames have decided to uh, be so inconsistent, and ev like how many games have they like decided to not show up until the second period this year? Uh, it's it's uh, honestly all but one, all but two <laughs> exactly. actually, two actually, and that's huge, right and at some point, you gotta find a way to 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 get through to these pl- these players. You've 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 tried players only meetings. You've tried splitting up and shaking up the lineup. You've tried everything but a, a trade at this point. And I, 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 I as I said on Sunday, I honestly think that. If there's a team that desperately needs a shakeup and desperately needs a wake-up call be with a, a big trade, it's the flames. And Devin Devin is right. If this was a normal season, I think that trade has already happened. If this if there wasn't any quarantine issues, be, uh, then there wouldn't be anything uh There wouldn't be anything stopping the Flames from making that trade. The issue right now is like whatever they get back for whoever they trade is going to have to go through quarantine. And the quarantine with uh, the quarantine in Canada is significant. Look at Winnipeg and Pierre-Luc Dubois. They thought they could maybe uh, get it down to a week, but they couldn't. And maybe Calgary is able to do it in, in Alberta because of Alberta is a little bit different than Manitoba, but that's you're still waiting. You're still going to have to wait at least seven days, most likely still fourteen, um, to get whoever you're going to get in return for whoever you trade. Whether it is Sam Bennett, whether it is you go you you go bigger and it's a a, a Johnny or amani. Like unfortunately, that's just the reality of the situation right now. And unless you're unless you're just going full on sell mode and getting draft picks. On a draft that you don't know what you're actually going to get, uh, it, that it w- in even in a regular uh time, uh, a lot of the a lot of the pundits are saying it's a little bit weaker. Uh, yeah, there's some you don't know who's going to go first overall, um, because there's five, six, seven players that are there and there's no standout uh players, um, and then you throw in the pandemic when you. Half of them aren't even playing pro- uh, proper seasons. So I, I get it. I get I get why he feels – I bet you Treliven's feeling the same way, feeling a little defeated because you don't – You there's nothing you can do other than just yell at these players to fucking give a shit, to fucking show up on time, to show up for the first period. Don't let the other team dictate the play for the first period and have to play chase, uh, catch up hockey. If you're going to play that for the rest of the season, you're not going to make the playoffs. You're going to you're, you're going to end up getting Jeff Ward fired. You're going to end up getting Bradshaw Living fired, and you're going to have multiple players on this roster get traded. Um,
1: they've
2: been like they've been like this since uh, the Find Away Flames, quote unquote, and that's been since what 2015.
1: That was 2015. Yep. Yep, that was. Uh... And even with that, I mean, they were lucky to get into the playoffs. Let's be frank. Um, but it's been it's been a lot of we've had this same conversation. I mean, even even Michael Backlund said last night we've had this conversation for a long time. Ryan Huska said last night we've had this conversation for a long time. So it's known, um, and I don't know. At the end of the day, this. Here's my. I'm gonna. I'm I just. This is my theory right now. Um, and I'm just. I, people. People have listened. No, I'm not a fan of Jeff Ward. I don't think it was a good hire. I think uh, the fact of the matter is, is, is um, there were no other interviews he did, and you can make the argument. Well, it's a pandemic, and you don't want to be spending money on a bigger coach right now. Uh, but the Flames have never, uh, historically, not done it. Um, and I. You know, um, we can debate that in another time. But it feels to me that the core of this group, and by core, I I'm going to throw some names out: Jordano, Backlund, Monahan, Goodrow, Kachuk, Lindholm. I don't think, from what I am seeing, and I could totally be wrong from where I'm sitting here. This is not this is a players' group that I don't. It's either doesn't like the coach, doesn't respect the coach. Or doesn't trust a coach. One of those three,
3: at least one of those three.
1: They have like when you look at the mo- okay, yeah, Jevin, you're right. There's been a whole bunch of line changes, but you know the two two players that have not been split up: Monahan and Goodrow,
2: or Kachuk and uh, Lindholm.
1: Uh, Kachuk played a little bit with Backlund last night, I want to say, but mostly, yeah. Yeah. I think we're were
3: double shifting Kachuk at that point, though.
2: Yeah. Well, what Kachuk are you fucking getting? Jesus. Like, honestly. And, like, um, you're right, Kev. They haven't split up Johnny and Monty. Uh, They did that a bit last year and the year before. They tried it. And my biggest pet peeve is the fact that they don't try it for long enough to gain some chemistry. And if there's not instant chemistry, then it, they just go back and fall back to the same old bullshit. And like the, that, that is a, That's on Jeff Ward and this coaching staff. Um, but you, you talked about the, the core there, but I, I want to talk about the leadership group too, man, the leadership group. I'm, you hear all these good things about Mark Gionano. You really do. And I don't doubt he's a good human being, but he's, is he the right captain for this team? my biggest question that I want to give to you guys is if okay if um, there's always there's been this talk in the past year that kachuk needs to be captain and that he is the bona fide next captain of this group how different would this be if kachuk was captain and I'm not saying that he should be right now because I don't think he's ready yet but I feel like if we had a different captain on this team, and a different leadership group that it's it, that there's there's more, there, there's a better chance that we would be in a different spot as in the Calgary Flames than we are right now.
1: How is that captaincy given? Is it stripped away from Giordano or oh. does Giordano give the sea away in a gracious manner?
3: I
2: fucking don't care, to be completely honest with you. Um, like, yeah, you want to show them respect and you want to make sure that. You know, you're not just tripping them for the sake of stripping them, but uh, something needs to be changed within that locker room. Something needs to happen. And like I said, I don't think it's going to be a trade, and I don't think, um, it, I, I don't think that they're going to fire Jeff Ward, um, not until the end of the year, or Brad True Living, not to the end of the year. And it, it, it I, I, there's got to be some sort of shakeup within that room more than lines, because this, I, I, I don't think that this leadership group led by Marcin Dano is going to take them to the next level is going to take them to the second round or further in the playoffs or even fucking make it this year. I just don't see it.
3: There's definitely a lack of emotion on this team. Yeah. There's def- definitely a lack of feeling insulted by everything right now. They should feel insulted and they should f- they should start playing with a little bit of shame and start like like start on fucking time like it I, I I agree with Devin I think there is that there definitely needs to be change in the leadership group in this locker room uh, and I do think that this team desperately needs someone to just take the bull by the horns and just yell at them until they fucking get it um they need they definitely i the way I've read. Mark Giordano and the captaincy and his leadership style. He, he leads by example. He's a quiet leader. They need a loud leader. They need... I completely understand why they everyone's clamoring for Kachuk to be the captain. I, I agree. I don't think he's ready yet. I still think he needs to mature a little bit a little bit more and, and, and know when he can just rile people up and then when he should... St- st- stand back he's gonna he's gonna learn that he's a as much as I hate him because he's a, an absolute rat on the ice and he's a flame and not a Canuck got stupid Jim Benning um <laughs> even <laughs> though you Levivis look good the last couple days but still fuck. okay but um he still he still needs to learn and he still needs to learn that when when he can be the the big boisterous like drag the team into the fight player and when he can't doesn't he shouldn't be doing that um I think he is being uh for lack of a better term neutered by the, the the quiet leadership that Giordano has and he's not being allowed to be that boisterous like come on boys let's fucking go let's get into this fight let's get let's get dirty let's they're, they're, th- this every time he tries to do that everyone else stands around and does nothing yeah, and and that's even 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 the 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 grittier guys, the Sam Bennett's, the everyone stands around and does nothing. Like it's, I just don't understand it. Like there there there's no emotion on this team other than other than sad Johnny looking 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 upset and then all that. Like that's the most emotion you see out of this team right now, and it's not. You're not going to win in this in, in in the NHL if you that if that's the emotion you're showing.
1: Yeah, uh, true. Uh,
3: um, I, I can I, I can almost see that the, the gears working in, in in your head there, Kevin. because you did ask how, how is this how is this captaincy change happening? I think you do need to strip it. I do think you need to do that. Maybe that's the shakeup you, that this team needs.
1: Well, well, the reason I asked it is is if it's gracious. Then I think that there's a unification in the room. If you're stripping it, there is you are going to get a division. Well, in you can,
3: an, you, yeah, like, but maybe maybe long term that's what they need. They need to find you, out who's right. who, who's who's with them long term and who's not.
2: The, the the other thing though is that like okay, Geo has to come to come to this on his own. If he doesn't come to this on his own, he'll take it personally. And there's like there's gonna be division no matter what. But at least, Rhett Warner said it this morning on Fan the, the 960. Oh, he was outstanding this morning. Oh, so way. good. Uh, yeah. if, you, if you haven't heard it or listened to it, you should. It's I'm fantastic.
1: Pretty Warner listen to our podcast on Saturday as well.
3: <laughs> get him go- on the intermissions in, uh, on, on TV.
1: Yes. Yes. Me, and yes. get Ryan Pinder on those intermissions, too. And it's not that I don't love Matt Stajan and, you know, well, Eric Francis is Eric Francis, but... Of course, Sarge. Yeah, it's there's there's some personality there that they're missing. Anyway, Devin, go.
2: So what Rhett was saying this morning was that at least you know you'd play with a bit of fire and a bit of passion, a bit of fuck you to the other side of the of the divided room, if you will. Um, I just, I just, at least you would hope so. But once again, it'd just be it. Right now, look at us pulling at fucking strings. Now, when have we ever? When have you ever heard somebody talk about stripping
1: the captaincy? within the past like five to ten years. It's been very it's rare. It's very rare. Well they, I mean, like let's be honest, he's not like the the problem the bigger problem here is is not that Giordano Giordano's a wonderful but he's playing terrible. He is Absolutely. Not, he he I mean as much like we'll get to Ward here in a moment, but as much as, as Jeff Ward said he wanted Rasmus Anderson to work on his five on five play I I think some would argue that maybe number five needs to work on five-on-five play. What's made him successful in the past? Uh, in well, that's what's made him successful. Period in his career is the, his
2: hardworking, um, his tenacity, and he, he he skates his ass off. That's why he's always the fittest person at uh, training camp every single year. But Father Time is undefeated, and we're just waiting for this moment. And it, you know, yeah, it's it's come within the last uh, two years of his contract. And it's finally shown, but we knew—we all knew this was going to happen. But the style of the game that he plays doesn't fit his age anymore. It doesn't.
3: Yeah, he—he uh- he reminds me so much of Alex Edler right now in the Canucks, where you need other players to step up and start start taking minutes from him. Like he's one of those guys who I think needs needs to 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 play less minutes to be more effective at this point in his career. And the you need you need a coach to actually do that. You need a coach that to start playing Valimaki more. Start pl- they they are playing Hannifin more, which is good. Taking the the top pairing away it, it, it is is Tanev and Hannafin now, which is good. But you need to find a way to to, to really knock back Geo's minutes so that he isn't chasing the game because he's tired. He isn't. Uh, well, basically that he isn't chasing the game because he's tired because he's playing too much.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's the, 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 the handling of the defense. I mean, after, I mean, it wasn't that they were terrible. I mean, the and Tana were a great pair and it kept them together. Um, you know, I, I, I liked Connor Mackey, but it was mysterious that they let Nikita Neserov sit. I don't know why that was, but, uh, um, and Nesterov and Anderson didn't look great together at, at the start of the game. Um, at least they're giving Valimaki some time. But maybe the reality is, is is maybe you give Valimaki and Nesterov the second pair and you put Anderson and Geo on the third.
2: Maybe. Maybe. That, that seems – if anything, you want to give Anderson more minutes. You really do. You want him to get himself playing out of what, what he's playing right now and the, the the only way that I see it is put him in more situations where he can learn and that he can figure out what's going on with them and that that sounds like more of a de- developmental um, strategy going with um, Calgary still within a uh, a playoff spot um, in the playoff race pushing for it but it's uh it who who do you think is better Anderson or Vallamaki at this point right and Whoever that is, yeah, you play that person or, or that you play them more than you do Geo. Um, and that top four doesn't consist of Gio anymore. You have no. Anderson, um, and I, it's hard because like you, you do have Anderson, who's a right-handed shot too. But you have Val Mackie Anderson, and you have um, Hannifin and
3: Tanab, and I think that should be the pairings.
1: And then you go Geo and Nesterov. I,
3: I I don't disagree with that at all. I think that's a I think that's a fantastic way to go. You're, you're giving Valimaki more ice time that he's starting to starting to earn. Uh, you need to you need Anderson in in your top four. If he's not in your top four, then I who's on the right side not, exactly Who? Who? exactly. Oh yeah. my god! <laughs> but if you're if you're playing if you're if that's that if that's the pairs, then you're going to put Giordano in a in a spot where he can. You can play better in, in more sheltered minutes, and that's that's where you're at right now. And I, if if they if they don't do that, then I think that's going to be to the the hindrance of the the team' success that they're hoping to find a way to create again. And it's in Gio's head
2: too. He needs to make sure that you know, he cannot play the way that he's playing now. He needs to be more conservative. Less jumping up in the play, especially on the PK. How many times do we see him jumping up when there's a rush on the other, uh, going the other way on the PK? And then all of a sudden he's like, oh, fuck. Turns around, starts skating, but he's not fast enough to get back. And he's, like I yeah. said, he was able to do that before, but Father Time has caught up to him. Yeah. Oh, God.
1: Yeah. And I'm, I'm really curious what that relationship between Giordano and Ward is because yeah. I think we can all see that Giordano has taken a step back. And I'm just wondering again because of that, of, of that relationship, Jordano's saying, no, I'm just going to play and screw you. I'm going to be here a lot longer than you. So, well, at least one more year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Potentially. Potentially.
2: Um, uh, yeah. But, but you're right. It's, uh, he might, once again, it's find that mix between a player's coach and a uh, hard ass. And it, it seems like that if you have a player's coach, players have the say and he doesn't seem like he has too much of a backhand for discipline um, or talking back to to his players, really. And that, that, that's all perspective for me, but it, like, I have no inside information, obviously, but that's what it feels like from the outside.
1: But you can be a player's coach and have the respect of the room, right? It's not about being having to feel like you need to be a super hard ass. Say, look, you know um, – I don't think you're playing well enough. You're you're going to go uh, sit down. And sorry, that's just the way it is. It's it's
2: well, it's not respect. Just,
1: it, it it is, and I I I think that that's one of the key things that are that is missing here. And I I let's look at. I think Sean was going to jump in with something, but let's look at Markstrom Riddick. This Markstrom has played fourteen games. um, There was a clear opportunity last night to play David Riddick, at least Monday or Wednesday. You could have had Markstrom have a bit of a stretch off before you're going against the Oilers on Friday and Saturday. Now, without question, you've got to play Riddick in one of those games. And he was lit up. He was lit up against the Edmonton Oilers. If you're the Edmonton Oilers right now, you've got to be feasting and be excited that you're going to get one of the games. You're probably going to get tomorrow's game. I, at home, I'm assuming. I don't think that they're going to play him. Um, and maybe, maybe Eric Francis is right, and they're not confident with David Riddick. But um, at some point here, you can't be right. very clear. Like Markstrom has been phenomenal, phenomenal. Uh, but last night it showed that he's played a lot, and he needs a little bit of a break. And there was a perfect opportunity to do it. And I, I am baffled. That he did not, Riddick did not come out to start the third period. Baffled to me that they kept the Markstrom in another ten minutes. Like, what the hell is going on?
2: Like, there's two things there that's going on. Is that uh, at the beginning Markstrom was cool, calm, collective, but now that he's seen that his team is uh, is struggling in front of him, he's trying to do more than he needs to. You saw that with uh, him coming in the net twice, um, and. Just, just wanting wanting to take on the world pretty much. Um, and then the, the other side of it is that, okay, uh, you have the coaching staff trying to chase wins um, and figure out when to um, sit him, but you, you don't want to get to a point where you're like, okay, uh, you're putting Riddick in a shitty spot because he hasn't played that much. And it, it, it's just like a, a vicious circle of uh, what-ifs and of negativity depending – the negativity is taking over – um, the mindset of what to do, and it, it's it's just like it's it's not a we should do this. It's like oh god, what what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? And that that's why Markstrom is playing because he has been the best player on the Flames this year.
3: Yeah, Markstrom did this to the Canucks last year. where He just played so well that all you could do is play him, even if you had somewhat confidence in in Demko last year for the Canucks and and Riddish this year. You're like, but Markstrom's been the best player. You have to play him, and I think that's when that's when you start chasing, and that's when you outplay out Mark. You you play March from too much, and uh, if you go back, like all all all, all Canucks writers and people who watch the Canucks day in and day out could tell right off the bat that Markstrom was tired because his patience was gone, and that's why he went out and chased Tanner Pearson and took him out, got got, got credited with a hit, <laughs> like. It was crazy, and then he did again, uh, and got caught uh, when when Bo Horvat skated around him. And you just you just saw that, right? So it, I really think that it's it's time for it, it, it's time for them to, to knock back his playing time and find a way to give David Riddich some some starts. The fact that they they didn't play Riddich in one of these games versus Vancouver is was. Just a flat out wrong decision. Yeah, you need to give Mark Markstrom's some of the guys, and when he's in the rhythm, you run with him. But you also need to know when to cut him off, and you actually have to cut him off before he's actually done his run, because once he's done, he's toast. And then you have to, then you have to go, then you have to sit him and reset him and have him work with the goalie coach and reset the habits that got him to where he was at, and the. The flames have over. They've they've played him way too much, and it's it's. They really need to start giving treating it going forwards. They need to treat it this like a tandem, at least for the next two three weeks, just to get just the rest March from up again and get him ready for the for the uh, the the run in uh, end of March beginning and going into April because those are going to be very very important games.
1: Well, here's the thing too, like. You need to get the Oilers are ahead of you, so you need to catch them. So if you're if you want to win, if you believe that Markstrom is your best choice to win, give Riddick Wednesday, give Riddick last night. Okay, you law you would lose. Okay, but at least you got Riddick some playing time. You built up some confidence, and he's not playing the Oilers. And you give Markstrom the back to back when you can probably get a, I, I would argue and suggest and. I know that there's some people are going to be like, this is ridiculous, but I think the flames need to, would, I think would be beneficial for the flames to go two and all. Thank you. Captain obvious. Um, I think it would be better than a split, but to, because I, I think they need to start making, they need, they have some ground to make up and you can do that with Markstrom. And there would have been an opportunity, but to me, just. It's it, best. I see a split and at worst, I think the others could win two games here. Absolutely. Because you have a tired Markstrom and you have an unconfident Riddick. Like the Oilers have the complete advantage here.
2: Well, especially with uh you know, where Riddick went uh went down last year was right after that uh stick flip moment. And who who knows he's a bit of a head case of a goalie too, so um you can't you can't think that that's gonna be on his not gonna be on his mind uh playing one of these games.
1: Yeah. And then, yeah, I and I guess yeah. So, you know, looking at where this team is at, it's kind of funny uh, what I am about to say because it feels like a little bit of a parallel. And we have our poll question. Thank you for reminding. Have the Flames played Marks from too much? Uh, Yes, by a country mile. Yes, that one by a it's winning by a lot. Um, unless a lot of people decide to jump in on that boat and say no, uh, that's clearly yes. I think people can, can clearly see that. Um, but l- let's dig this to this a little bit deeper. And and we dug a little bit deeper when Tyler last asked last Sunday about the pressure that the media is putting on the flames. But there's another angle to this that I don't think has been talked about enough in Calgary. Um, but I'm I'll bring it up. I'm not afraid. Um, You have the arena deal, which was a sore spot for Cal for the Cal, the city of Calgary. Um, How that went down. um, I don't think uh, went down very well. I think there's some angry, even flames fans that are very angry of how that was handled. You are in the middle of a pandemic where we've talked about the financial situation ad nauseum. Um, You've got so you're building an arena with a uh, an angry fan base that is furious right now with this team, and I think is just completely frustrated with how this team has performed, really for the last, not only the last five years, but one uh, advancing to one past the second round once since 1989. Ouch! Um, I mean, that's just. I mean, it. That's hurt a, a generation of fans. Um, I don't. I'm going to be. Are the fans? Flames, Flames fans going to once? Once fans are allowed back, are they coming back?
2: Yeah, they'll come uh, back. They they definitely will. Uh, you know, I I thought it was uh, I forget who it was, but uh, I think it might have been Chris last weekend talking about how the the fans are different uh, from. Vancouver to Calgary, and um, I, I, I see it completely different. I think that uh, they are similar. Um, everybody, every, I think there's more to it than just you know the the play on ice as of right now. It's uh, there's also the pandemic um, I, idea that everybody wants to get back out there. I want to go back have a dome beer. Gotta miss those. Um, but I I, I, th- I understand where you're getting at though, Kev. It's uh, if if they're not performing, then it's hard for um, hard to think that they will be coming back in droves. But at the same time, man, uh, there a different aspect to it of you know people wanting to be a part of a, a lot of then again. So, um, but but as far as like the hockey goes, yeah, I I think that they will be back. Um, and at this point, it's like okay, well, if they win, great. But if they lose, you'll fucking hear it, and you'll get booed off the ice. And maybe that's what they need. But that, it doesn't seem like it's going to be in the cards this year and it might be too late to, to really do something. And it, even at that point, when there are going to be uh, fans back in the stand, hopefully we won't be looking at the exact same roster.
1: Do you, so do you, do you think the Flames have a brand image to rep- some things to repair, though, in Calgary?
3: Oh, yeah, they definitely do. But as Devin said, um, once fans are allowed back, there's going to be a rush by a lot of people to get back out there. Um, because there's all like we all miss it. Like, yeah. If if we feel safe going out there, we're gonna go. Like we're gonna go. Uh, I I I today I end up watch end up having to watch um some uh videos of reactions of Sydney Crosby's golden goal, and I teared up. And you know why I teared up? Because I missed that the the camaraderie and going to and feeling the feeling of live hot, live live events and live sporting like you don't have that anymore we're watching it from our 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 houses on our TVs we're watching it if if you're lucky enough to be in a place where the pubs are and bars are open and you're allowed to go watch it there you're going there which is a little bit better but it's still not the same and fa- and fans are going to want to do that there's for the first 20 games of next season, if or whenever the, fa- the 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 fans are back, the first handful to 20 the, to, to 20 games are going to be sold out. As much as people think that, like oh, whether or not the the NHL is not going to allow fans back in, or at least full full arenas back in until it's all safe and people feel safe, and when. And people are going to go out there. Going to go out, They're going to go if they can. If they can afford it, and they can. They, they, and they feel comfortable. They're going to go. Now, if the flames are still up, still playing like this, going into after that honeymoon period, that's when you're going to see the the consumer confidence issue that you're trying to bring up here um, rear its head, because you're not going to have the the novelty factor of going to live hockey driving people to go.
1: And that's where my concern is. Like the novelty will be there. I, I'm not, I would not dispute that. But at the same time, if it's the same thing and you're looking at your pocketbook, as Brian Burke has said, you're going to have to even, you have to cut some things. If, if this the team isn't going good, uh, as a Flames fan, are you going to attend? Now that what's, and this is the other part of this that I, I think it's quite fascinating because I don't know if this is um, the same everywhere else, but as a Canucks fan, Sean, if the Canucks are in town, you are going to spend, you'll probably spend your money to try to make sure that you go to the games. And that becomes, if you're as a Leafs fan, Devin, you'll spend the money to go cheer for the Leafs. And I know that's an, that's an absolutely fascinating dynamic that I don't, I I that just came to my head that I need to process a little bit more, but that doesn't necessarily feel like a home ice advantage.
2: Even when the uh, uh, Leafs came to the Saddle Dome, it still didn't feel like a home for ice advantage for the
3: Flames. Yeah. Uh, um, Leafs, Habs, Can- Canucks to a lesser extent, Oilers as well, Jets. Like a- anytime a Canadian team came into town, unless it's Ottawa, because, well. I'm sorry, Otto. We're shitting on you so much this this podcast. There are but, Sen yeah.
1: fans, though. There are Senator fans. <laughs> yeah, a count.
3: They are do just not tr- They're just not. They're just not. Uh, they don't travel as well as the rest of the team okay. uh, of, of the fans, uh, it, and yeah, uh, Toronto and the uh, have specifically travel really well, and it is almost fifty-fifty. Um, I've been to I've been to games at the Dome where uh, it's. Flames and Canucks, and it's—I'd say almost as almost. It sounds like it's sixty forty, even though it's probably seventy thirty for Flames, for Flames fans. But it—you—you—you you, you, against these these Canadian teams, yeah, it, it isn't as big a, a big a deal. Oh, it's always been that way in Calgary, though. Yeah, Calgary's um, been a transient town. You've got people move have moved here. And, and are based out of here, uh, they moved in from Saskatchewan, so they were Jets fans or Oilers fans, moved out from the from the East Coast, so you're Toronto or, or Habs fans, and or even from BC, which makes them Canucks fans. So they just travel more. So it even in best of times that the, it, the, the, the Dome can feel like that, Going forwards, if the Flames don't fig- can't figure out what the hell what the hell's wrong with this locker room and figure out how to actually show up and play for the first period, that I could definitely see that being an issue uh, going into next year.
1: Yeah, um, I was waiting if Devin had something to say.
2: Uh, yeah. It, it, yeah, it's just I, I don't I don't see. I could, def- sorry, I definitely could see that uh, you know um, the transplants here in Calgary uh, outweigh the Flames fans if they keep on going down this road. But at the same time, you, you still got the loyal, uh, loyal fan base here. So um, yeah, I, I, I don't see it being an issue as far as um, Flames fans not showing up because they will.
1: Yeah, they. I, yeah, I, I. I guess just from the organizational thing, I think there's some things that they can do to repair that, and I guess that's where I'm coming from. Um, and I. I, just from my eyes, but um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe everything is hunky dory. I don't know.
3: Uh, there's like there's there's two separate. No, I want to say two. There's two very vocal groups uh, of hockey fans. There's the ones who are a little more dyed in the wall, a little more old school. And are going to uh, go no matter what. They're going to support their team, and then there's the the the, the other the other fan the the other vocal group of fans who are going to vote with their wallet. They're going to vote based off of how the team, like not not necessarily how the team's playing, but how they present themselves. And those are the ones that you're going to lose in in this in this situation. Um, I do think that. Um, the arena deal yet? Yeah, yes, it was poorly received, uh, especially part of that with that second group. Um, but by the time it's built, and the, by the time the, the you're playing hockey in that arena, uh, I that that issue is going to be long past. It's not going to be. It's not going to be an issue. Hopefully. Um,
1: <laughs> well, there's a mayor uh, race. There is a mayor race coming too, right? if I understand this correctly. Yeah, but
3: they've they've already they've already said yes to all the all the money and that they're getting money elsewhere. Um they're working on uh, on the construction of uh, different parts of that that whole deal and upgrading of Stampede Park in 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 Calgary. So uh, i it, it they the, the backlash of pulling anything from that uh, would be even worse than just letting it, just letting it go continue on as is so i don't see like I, said, I do not see it being a, a, uh, an issue once the once the uh, arena opens uh, everyone's the, the excitement of a new arena and the excitement of uh, of not having the <laughs> as much as i love the dome it is it, there, there's a lot there's a lot more things that you can do with uh, to make the make the uh, the experience of going to a flames game better so yeah. I just, I I don't see that being an issue once that, once the arena is built. And I think that um, there will be a novelty of going back to live, live sporting events uh, when that's available, when that's available again. Uh, It, it it just comes down to how can you make sure that the, the fans continue to, to show up after that novelty wears off. Fair.
1: Yep. I'm just, it's curious. I'm curious here. Um, Let's move on. Uh, Steve Simmons said some things this week uh, and um, Steve Simmons being the Steve Simmons that he is, said this. Uh, William Nylander is like buying furniture from Ikea with the instructions somehow missing from the package. Devin, I'd like to hear from you first. Oh, God. Hey, the,
2: the, the notion that it's surprising that Nylander is so hot and cold um, and that's surprising it is, is ridiculous. We've seen this for year in year out from Willie. Uh, he has streaks of brilliance in the ice streaks of just nothing. And you don't see him on the ice. Um, so that, that's just, I just feel like Steve, you're, you're picking low hanging fruit, buddy. And I would not be surprised if uh, you hear some backlash next time we uh, ask a question, um, just like Austin Matthews did uh, through his COVID um, incident, so it's it just it's it's media, you know, it's media trying to look for something, trying to um, not not pick at straws, but uh, just just sucker punch uh, players every once in a while, and it's entertaining, but it's just
3: fucking ridiculous, is what it is. It's it, it, it's not. Paying attention to what William Nylander is doing as well, he may not be producing, but he's still creating offense. He's still the second the oh, the second best uh, forward on on uh, on the Toronto Maple Leafs at, in terms of uh, um, shot share. Um, his uh, his percentage of shot attempts, shot attempt share, is the only pers- the only player ahead of him is Joe Thornton on in eight games and he's got, he's got a, he's right there with Austin Matthews, just a a little bit ahead of him. So if, if you're upset about uh, a quiet two, three games and making those grand, ridiculous remarks, just so that people will read your, your column. I think you've, you've lost, you've lost it. You've you've lost the ability to have a rational discussion about hockey and how hockey play hockey's the, players are playing.
1: What about Ty- what Tyler would say if he was on here is this is uh, Steve Simmons' job is to create a reaction.
2: Yeah, and he he did it. He's a slimy fucking douche as far as I'm concerned, but he, he did it. And he, we're talking about it. So he's doing his job properly. It's just um I don't know. I, I, just, I, I just don't have any respect for uh, for, for that. But I, there's more to it, Sean, than just that. It's the fact that uh, um, Nylander and Tavares have not been uh, the same as they have been in the past five-on-five. Five. They've been very quiet.
3: And I think and that's why where they, it comes well, from. And why isn't he calling out Tavares? He's the captain because, of the team. Because he's the captain of the team.
2: I think I think I think Simmons has respect for certain people in this league, and then he doesn't uh, with others. Um, Tavares is the veteran, um, and I, 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 I truly believe that it has to do with the fact that uh, Nylander, um, Marner, Matthews are making the big dough as being uh, young young men, and uh, that, I think that really just irksome, and that's where the low hanging fruit comes from.
3: Well, that, then that says everything to me, right? That says that 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 says that. Uh, like even Carl's upset with him about. Yeah, like,
1: Carl's that, angry. That Carl's is.
3: serious he's, here. He's, he's pissed. <laughs> uh, it, 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 if that's the case, then you, you've lost. Again, you've lost all ability to have a a, a a rational thought about about this team. You're going. You're going after someone for something that. Has nothing to do with his on ice play. If yeah, so so yeah, Tavares and Nylander are not scoring at the at the rate that they should be. But you're only picking on Nylander? That just says everything to me, and it's and it, it says everything that ever most people who pay attention to hockey know that and and know and knows the style of Steve Simmons. And I just hate it when you you have to make those grandioso uh, comments and remarks just to just to get people to read your read your article let your let your actual writing say do do the work if your actual writing can't hold up and can't actually um, you can't actually create like have an article that is worth reading other than this shock value comment I, I it, it. it it
2: also shows I don't know I I I don't have much respect for the sun uh so I, I feel like it's more of a um uh, it's just the way it's presented and the way that they uh yeah just just what what they are I'm just uh, they seem like a tabloid to me and it's just like it's it's not it's not credible um sorry Wes uh, Gilbertson I know I used to work for them.
1: Well, and, and I, I I think a couple of things. Well, Nylander and Tavares both scored tonight, so um that's good. And Nylander has five goals, Tavares has six. Uh but I also think that that this day of the Simmons like and the sensationalism I I think from a player's perspective, this this will get you talk about something that'll be absolutely fascinating when reporters are back in the dressing room. Uh if that's allowed, whenever that's allowed, how that is approached, that's going to be really fascinating. That'll be one thing. I mean, Carl even agrees with me again on that. But yeah. I also think, honestly, I think we're getting into the point now where I, I think, yeah, this is getting the tweets and people are reading, but I is it is it effective? Because I, I really think that people are wanting some honest intelligent uh, hockey talk, like the Harmon Dials, the Haley Salvans, the Darren Haynes, uh, you know, I mean, Steve Dangle, yelled, uh, yes, Steve Dangle is known for yelling, but Steve Dangle has done some fantastic job on some trade trees as well. That doesn't get as much notoriety. our um, like they're, they're just, I think, just think that the hockey fan is looking for something a bit more intelligent than, than the sensationalism that Steve Simmons presented this week. <laughs>
3: Yeah, that exactly what it is. For the there, there's there's definitely more of a, a want for, as I said, like good, well written articles that aren't aren't designed as a, a hit piece. Um, let's go back to what you when you talked about Eric Francis last podcast, um, and and how he, Eric Francis was upset that um, Johnny Gaudreau we learned more about Johnny Gaudreau on spit and Checklist than he has his whole career uh, trying to interview him here in Calgary. You know why? Because you're not, you're, you're, you're not giving him the, you're not making it easy for him to actually open up. You're not making it easy for him to want to open up because you're going to, you, the way the media the, pe- people are way too, the media and certain certain media specifically are way too reactionary and creating, in creating ridiculous uh, as just uh, uh, like uh, ridiculous content? Uh, content and to just get views, reads and, and to quote unquote have clout. Like it's just, and that's, and, and that's fed down. Da- that's been fed down from them. And now, now people who are uh, like the average fan is trying to do that with what they do on social media. And they, they try and like throw receipts back when they were right and all that. Well, it's just, can we, can we just have some good, like rational, well-written articles or good, rational, well-thought-out content that can that um, you're allowed that makes you think without without the actual attitude of I'm I, this is if you don't think me, if you don't agree with me then you're you're wrong.
2: Yeah. And that's what we do here on the hockey podcast.
1: Yes, we do. So follow us, subscribe to us, tell your friends about us. Yeah. And we we're, we we bring on intelligent guests as well. But yes, um, and I guess you know the other other thing. And, and I mean, Devin is awesome. Matthew's going to score fifty goals in fifty six games.
2: It, it looks that way. <laughs> I, I, I just I, maybe it maybe doesn't look that way, but I, I have a feeling that uh, he will. Uh, he definitely has the potential to. Um, he needs to get a couple more hat tricks <laughs> before he uh, before he can really do it. Um, and yeah, tonight would have been a, a good, a good one to show, especially against Ottawa, uh, to show off his skill and, uh, and his shot. But uh, I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't put it past him to do it. But at the same time, it's that's a
1: hard feat to do.
3: Yeah, it's very hard. Um, Austin Matthews, over his career, has shot basically around fifteen percent his shooting percentage has been 15% uh and then he's shooting at over 20% right now so um there is skill involved with that i will not um dismiss that but uh, there there there's enough data around uh shooting percentage regressing that uh he, he may he it it doesn't look like it's it 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 will be sorry it doesn't look like he has the the ability to do that based off of that. But if he can keep this run going long enough, he there I wouldn't put it past him as well.
1: I think 40 is possible. I don't think 50 is. That's what I'll say. Um, uh, I um, I just think that that's just an un- It's unreasonable to expect a player to score a goal a game. I as much as as much as Leaf Leaf Media wants that, I. Uh, yeah, I think he'll slow down at some point, point. Um, and then teams are going to adjust. And especially the second half of this year, where the playoff points are going to be tougher, it's going to be tougher on Matthews to score too. It will be.
2: It it will be for sure. Um, yeah, I just uh, I think that um, his his shot release has been amazing. I uh, like it, it's been progressing every single year. Um, he's been changing his angles. He's been, uh, changing his, uh, how, how he releases the puck. So, um, yeah, you know, 15%, I could see it at the end of the year being probably 17%. And Sean's right. He will regress back to what he normally is. But I do think, you know, he has a chance there, Kev. So, uh, be, be prepared to eat some crow.
1: Okay. <laughs> barbecue sauce on it? Um, no. Raw. Raw crow. Raw huge crow huge, um, huge. But just other the other thing i was just wanted just back to what we were talking about before i think that that's right. the loss of tsn 1040 that's one of the big losses with 1040 and 1290 in winnipeg is there was i think a lot of people felt there was some a really in, an intelligent hockey conversation that was happening that was lost and i think that was the part of the deep hurt that the sports I I could speak for the sports fan in Vancouver can't necessarily speak to the sports fan in Winnipeg as much that's he, that was the huge loss there.
3: yeah they, you you were getting you weren't getting sugar coated yeah. uh, um, I think there was times where I think they were uh, you could make the argument that they were being a little more sensational uh, sensationalistic at times but uh, for for the most part I felt that they uh, there was a a, a good um, their most of their takes and content were were rationally thought of and weren't uh, just the uh, sugarcoating what was a bad a bad game here uh, where, where whenever that happened. So, um, I I, like I said more rational good good content that makes you think um that comes without attitude is key. That's why people love Harmon Dial in Vancouver. And and Canucks um, and the Canucks fans. That's why people people are are liking what um, uh, even when Steve Dangle does his other stuff, like he he he'll yell and scream, and but he, he knows that's full entertainment, right? That's he he gets that. But when he wants to talk normal, like actual get get into the nitty gritty, he can do it and be a, a, a good analyst. Uh, mm-hmm. It's why Kevin BX has become so. So great is he's creating amazing content on on the intermissions with while well, you're learning, and yeah. he's not he's not being an old man an old an old school hockey player yelling at clouds, even yeah. though he is an old school hockey player.
2: Yeah, as uh, stealing this from Tim and Sid, it's edutainment.
1: Edutainment. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, final cop topic. Uh, I don't know if you guys have all had the chance, but Katie Strang wrote a pretty interesting article on the Arizona coyotes, uh, quite damning to the coyotes organization. Um, and uh, just another situation with this organization of a PR disaster that even Carl, the cat is furious about again. Uh, he, uh, uh, you know, you look at the the drafting of, of the player, the Mark Miller. You look at what the, the John Chica situation. Um, Steve where, Sullivan. Steve Sullivan. Uh, fans not in stands. If you're the – where do you go if you're the – what is the next step of the Arizona Coyotes?
3: Like – Do we got I another don't. 45 minutes? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's um... – at this point, how how much like for the NHL period, how much longer can you have that that team in that in Arizona and not not being supported financially by the fans or by financially by the owners, um to to a point where you have to actually I think they're 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 going to have to make a a decision within the next year or two to to move them. Um, how quickly did Atlanta end up getting moved after like not being able to have owners and, and, and being able to keep keep things running in, in Atlanta? They've tried so hard with, with, with the Coyotes in Arizona, but I honestly think it's time to, to start looking at other, other spots, whether it is Houston or, um, Kansas City, I think has an arena available. Um, or the the, the 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 always always on the back burner we must get toronto a second team option or even quebec city right like there's options out there so hey. it's, honestly, I honestly think it's time to start looking at those options
2: gary Bevan has such a hard on for keeping arizona there uh, keeping them i I don't know why i've no idea why it doesn't make any sense the arena, Glendale, is a, it's in a shitty spot. Um, the the other uh, places are K- uh, Canada uh, that are in the suburbs, and that's not working. Down in Florida, how well they, is that working? Like they they ha- all those um, teams are having a hard time getting uh, people in the seats, and um, the, along with just just the revenue stream, it's not there. It, they they've they've always been at the bottom of the revenue stream. Um and it, it, how much longer will Gary Bettman shed all that money into Arizona and get nothing back? It's about time. And uh, I I do see a fit in Kansas City and I do see a fit in Houston as far as Arizona goes. You want to keep them in the Western Conference to make sure that the uh, that the teams are even. Um. So it it it, it how much longer is is the NHL going to be doing this it, It's just so redundant. it's uh, the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over and over again and not getting a uh, different result.
1: yeah, it's and it's just poorly run. it's just it's it's so poorly run. Um, it's just it's been a PR like if I'm an Arizona coyote fan, which I'm not, but if I was living in Arizona, I don't like why would I want to be associated with this team? Like that's the exactly. question right now and and the way they treated Katie Strang is awful. That is an embarrassment in, of it, in and of itself that we don't have to, maybe we'll dig into a little bit more on our next podcast, but I, I just wanted to, cause that is, wow. She, the only yeah. thing that she did was, was report the facts.
2: Yeah. And then they got all butthurt about it and it's, uh, it's, it's sad really. And it, it, it just goes to show, uh, the type of people that are there in Arizona too, and that they're, they're upset that um, everything's being, or that their, their dirty uh, laundry is being aired out. And, you know, good. Shame on you. That's, that's fucking atrocious. And, uh, you know, people are the, the players per diem not, not uh, being there, uh, not having a post game meal. Um, and yeah, treat, treating Katie that way, that, that's, that's inexcusable and I, Gary Bettman, he's going to defend it, and you know he will. Um, he'll condone it, and then he'll condemn it by keeping them there and keeping some people um, employed. you probably shouldn't be employed. So, uh, Gary Bettman, you should be <laughs> looking in the mirror and trying to figure out, okay, what is best for hockey in general, what is best for the NHL in general, not what is best for your legacy because your legacy is already stamped rubber. It, it, you're already in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And you're still uh, the commissioner of this league. Uh, you you have uh, made the owners a shit ton of money in the past four years with uh, Vegas and Seattle coming in. So swallow your pride and do the right fucking thing.
1: Well said. Well said. Let's leave it there. We will be back on Sunday morning, eleven o'clock Pacific, twelve o'clock Mountain, to recap the Flames Oilers series and. The Jets and the Canucks, Daniel, uh, in the comments play tomorrow and then we'll preview the Sunday game as well as the Jets and the Canucks have their two game series. And then, uh, so we'll figure that out there and then we'll, um, talk about what going forward, going forward. And how do we follow everyone? I am to Canucks03 on Twitter, I'm Gord Howe09 on Twitter. I, uh, Snides is S-C-H-N-E-I-D-Z. Tyler is T-N-O-B-L-E, I-M-K-V-V-O-L-E, podcast underscore hockey. Like us on Facebook, subscribe on YouTube, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, Tobias, it is bedtime. Catch the replay, and we will talk to you all very soon. Bye for now. I'm just going to put that there as we go.
0: After the end of a good fight,